Hello and welcome back to the Irish Football Fans Podcast. I'm Joseph McCarthy of the Irish Abroad website. I'm joined again by Mark Kennedy from Hawkeye Psychic and Phil Flanagan from the Bottomless Pit of Football. How are we doing, guys? Yeah, all good, Joe. Phil, how are you? How are you, lads? How are things? All good. Stephen Kenny has had his first two games as Irish Senior Football Manager and unfortunately we're still waiting for the first win. The performances against Bulgaria in Sofia and against Finland here in Dublin didn't really inspire the fans to the level that we were hoping. But there were some good passages of play in both games. From my own opinion, I think both results had to go down as a disappointment. I didn't see us losing either game. I thought we'd get one draw and then the other game, maybe a draw, possibly a win with home advantage. But unfortunately, it didn't come to pass. Mark, what did you think from the, the two games? Bit of a mixed bag, Joe, to be honest, but would caution us. I've seen the social media comments. I think they've been pretty harsh on Stephen Kenny straight off the bat. You can't really change a footballing philosophy on a squad within two days of a, of training camp. The, his selections, I thought, were brave enough, particularly the forward options of likes of Ododa, Ida, and also Connolly as well, that at least he kind of gave those three valuable international game time and they got a good sense of what was going on. As you said, some good patches of play. I mean... The passing count, for instance, in the Bulgaria game, 584 passes. When was the last time a Republic of Ireland team actually completed that many passes in the last 20 years? So, I mean, there were some good points there. I mean, I suppose the finish result was a little bit underwhelming. So, and that's probably where an awful lot of the social media bans have come because of the lack of shots on target. But I think, as Stephen Kenny has said, and Phil, correct me if I'm wrong here, he's really kind of looked to identify players for the Slovakian game. And I think he's probably done that to a certain extent with an awful lot of the midfield and attacking players on show. I wouldn't say disappointed. I suppose the most disappointing thing about both games was the manner which we conceded both goals, which were goals we wouldn't usually concede. That was the disappointing thing about the Bulgaria game. Finland technically are miles better than us. People, a few people were telling me, oh, Finland, you should be beating them or whatever. But we're technically not good enough to compete with a team like that. Even if they just have two or three players who are just better than what we have in the front six at the moment. The Bulgaria game, it wasn't that bad. You could see what they were trying to do. But as Mark said, context is everything. He's had two small camps. It's practically pre-season. They haven't had a lot of time together. You're not going to get Shane Duffy in pre-season to start playing like PK or Mastrano, passing the ball out the back. It's just not going to happen. And I think, actually, from the two games, you said, Mark, that he was looking to identify players the Slovakia game. I think he's actually given himself more headache and he's got more questions answered than before the two games because at the moment now, he doesn't know his midfield free at all. Who does he play up front and on the right wing? So I think, while I wasn't disappointed, obviously the manner of the goals was disappointing, but I wouldn't be overall disappointed. To be honest, I just write the two games off. I know it's the Nations League and it counts towards qualifying but they could still claw it back in a few months' time with a couple of good results and players are fitter. But the main takeaway from it is just there's more questions than answers. So I don't know what you think, Joe, besides being disappointed, but I don't really get the whole the pressure coming on, on Twitter. I think this is going to sound awful now. Maybe I'll annoy someone saying this, but there's a huge portion of the Irish fan base that follow English football. And I'm one of them. Like, I'm a Liverpool supporter. But because of that... If Liverpool go out and play bad on a Saturday, then you expect them to go out and play well next Sunday or on Wednesday. Like you expect the manager to be able to turn around in a week. You don't expect two poor performances. That's a bad run. And in club football, very easy to do. You have a week, you can drill it into them, you can work on your tactics. Where he's had two games in the space of three or four days 
with a whole new bunch of players and he hasn't had that much time in pre-season. So I think Irish fans of that regard are just expecting way too much from him too soon. I think I'd write the qualifying off for not this Euros, the next Euros. i just write it off. i just let him go with what he wants and try and instill you know, a style of football on this team. And i just write it off and take the pressure off him because that's the only way we're going to get anywhere. Not the playoffs because it's, it's obviously it's two games and you can get to a tournament and he knows that could be his biggest chance to qualify for the biggest tournament he'll ever ever manage in because he mightn't get the time. But I, I so I wouldn't discount that. I, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to playing to our strengths like Mick McCarthy does because, you know, you can draw both games and maybe get through on penalties. That, I wouldn't write that off. But as far as the Nations League, we don't have any more friendlies. The Nations League has to be used to a certain extent to try and mould and shape your team and try new things. And he did that with the midfield, but that's just what I think. Yeah, I don't think we can write off the playoffs. Obviously, we all want to be sitting in Aviva Stadium next summer watching Ireland play in the European Championships. What I get that we can experiment in the Nations League, I think the chance for experimentation was in these first two games. We're joint bottom of our group now with Bulgaria with one point from our two games. Uh, we have to go to Finland and get a result. I think we're going to have to beat Bulgaria at home to stay above them in the group. And the two hardest games that we have remaining are home and away to, to Wales, which, are, which is coming in October and November. Finishing second or third in the group is fine. Finishing fourth is a disaster. I think first position, uh, finishing top of the group is already out of the question. Uh, Wales have six points from their two games and we only have one. Unless we beat the Welsh in the two games, I don't think we're going to get promoted to League A. These two games were the preparation for the playoff game in Slovakia. I think he made mistakes in the squad uh, when he initially picked it. Michael Obafemi's omission was strange. And I think his uh, his not contacting the player was a mistake. He's got this reputation as a great man manager. And then admitting that he had contacted other players that had been left out of the squad. The first thing I, I would say after that is, why was Obafemi treated differently? This whole excuse that he wasn't picked under Mick McCarthy doesn't really wash with me. He was injured for some period under the previous manager. And then calling Sean Maguire into the squad, but then not including him for the second game against Finland, to me, that's a mistake and it's a wasted position in the squad. There was only three central defenders in the, the first squad that he announced. So with Obafemi, the main reason he gave was Obafemi doesn't play as a, as a as a lone striker. He plays as a two usually and he doesn't think he's able to perform the role. So that's why he brought Ida into the team because Ida can play at the tip of the attack. And he doesn't think Obafemi has enough experience to play up there by himself. Now, it showed that Ida didn't really either. And while I agree that he kind of wasted a spot with Maguire, the, probably the reason Maguire wasn't in the squad for the second game is because McGoldrick was in it and he came on just to play devil's advocate there. And that's fair, but I think Obafemi was one of the better performing Irish players in the Premier League when they restart. He scored against Chelsea and he scored against Manchester United at Old Trafford. I felt like he deserved it. Uh, he definitely deserved a place in the squad. He might not have started either game, but it just feels like a missed opportunity. In defence, there was no backup for Andy Stevens, and it wasn't until Darrow O'Shea was brought into the squad, not as a replacement, but as an addition, that we saw we had backup at centre-half. Seamus Coleman, the captain, 
uh, was present in press conferences and, you know, his name checked by the manager a few times, didn't play a minute in either game. So now we have to wonder if he's going to play against Slovakia in a month's time. It sounds like I'm being really down on things and I'm just disappointed. I saw a lot of positives in the first half of the Bulgaria game, but we struggled in the second half and after conceding, we didn't look like scoring and then suddenly the, the equalising goal comes from a, a last-minute header from a corner and I just thought, there's no change there. And it was similar against Finland. We didn't look like we were creating. Our best opportunity came, I think, from Callum Robinson after he came off the bench to replace Odauda and he only went off because he was injured. So you have to ask the question, if he had been fully fit, would he have stayed on for the 90 minutes in both games? Uh, I know he got mad in a match in the Bulgaria game, but I didn't see why. It felt like him and Doherty at right full were playing the same role. The three central midfielders were changed uh, in the two games. Okay, you can make, you made a mistake with maybe one or two players in the, the first game. Maybe James McCarthy isn't fully recovered from the injury he's picked up in preseason. Horahin, I think, was selected mainly because of his passing ability and his threat from set pieces. But I felt he was at fault for the goal. Adam Brown didn't play a minute in the two games. Again, same question about as Seamus Coleman. Is he going to see any action in the, the three games now that we have in October? And even the three changes themselves. Does making three changes in the same segment of the pitch, is that an admission that he got it completely wrong in the first game? Or was he trying to just try something different? I think Arthur made the best of his opportunities he saw more of the play than the other two players against Finland but maybe that was because we were playing so defensively or that's the kind of role that he plays breaking up attacks and keeping possession I thought Malumbi did okay it was his debut and I think that when the playoff and the Nations League come in October he has that experience and it will stand to him but I don't think he's going to start definitely won't start the playoff from the squad that was picked the players that were omitted and the players that were brought in. I'm not sure that the manager knows what his best starting 11 is yet. And the fact that he kept the same formation and even the replacements that he made during the game kept that formation makes me think that he's doing what we've criticized other managers for, which is picking players to play a role rather than finding role, roles for the players that he has available. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I suppose it's it's a new system for these players and not a lot of them will play in it so he has to make the changes somewhere like he clearly doesn't know what his midfield is and I think he's going to also have a question mark about Doherty even though he wasn't bad but he wasn't great and as you said him and Odauda it's nearly like playing the same player in two positions they both do the same thing they get forward and they try to cut in the midfield is the big one because if you're going to play a three they have to be able to link up with the forwards because you saw Ida like Ida did well in parts where he got the ball. He, you know, everything was back to goal, but he he did well a few times receiving the ball into the chest, took it down, and then like there's no one near him. So that's where your midfield comes in. So yeah, I don't know what you think about that. It's very early days, guys. Preseason as well. I know it's been touted as an excuse, and some people are saying professional footballers should be fit. But you know, an awful lot of these guys, you know, came from you know a stop-start season, and now they're back into preseason mode with their clubs. And I would imagine next month, guys, that these players should have minutes under their belt. And I mean, that's probably the worry for me coming out of these kind of games is that one or two of these guys that have featured for against Bulgaria, featured against Finland, 
may not see precious game time. Thinking the likes of Adam Ida here from Norwich. I mean, if Timmy Pukki is still the head guy, where does Adam fit into the, the whole mix here uh, in Norwich? You know, is he going to get any game time? Likewise, for the likes of Robbie Brady as well, he's only just coming back from, you know, more stop-start injuries. Same with Harry Archer. I mean, that would be the thing for Stephen Kenny I would be very concerned with is, are these guys playing regular first-team football in the next few weeks? Because if they're not, then he's kind of committed to these guys in the last two fixtures. And now it's a case of, does he cast them aside? I think it's very much a work in progress with Stephen Kenny. As you said, Joe, there definitely has been a few first-day error of judgment here. But again, he's just only in the job. And I think his coaching staff have to really kind of step up to the plate here, guys, as well. He's no good Stephen Kenny going. And I thought the post-game interview, particularly after the Finland game, had all the hallmarks of a guy nearly being kind of set up for another few weeks down the line. His coaching staff, I think has a little bit of an experience about it. And I think it's showing here. You know, like Sakeed Andrews has to come and step up a little bit to the plate. Guys like that have to really be responsible for training. The cohesion here, particularly with the likes of uh, Doherty and Odauda, you know, if these were the two guys that were going to be gelling together, you know, the cohesion wasn't quite there. That all comes from training ground sessions. And I know they only had two days training sessions, but surely the coaching staff would have seen video analysis of these two guys, what their strengths and weaknesses were. Never saw it there. So I think the coaching staff as a whole need to really reflect on it and improve ultimately for Slovakia again. I know that the players and management were running together for a couple of days before they had to fly out to Sofia, but Stephen Kenny was appointed back in April. Since then, the Premier League has been restarted and obviously League of Ireland has returned as well. So he's had a lot of time to at least scout the players available to him. So you'd expect that he's familiar with their abilities and knows what to expect when he takes them to play. But I'm not sure that they only had a couple of days together is a real excuse. I was surprised that he changed the three players in centre midfield. I did think that the three players that he selected, Brady, Arthur and Malumbi, was a positive change. And we might see more attacking play, but we didn't really threaten their goal. There was a couple of long shots, but... Keeper didn't really have a save to make apart from Robinson's shot when he came on. Uh, whereas I felt Randolph was our best player. We could have been one down after only a few minutes. Even at one nil up, there was a, a chance where he tipped over the bar that I didn't realize he actually had gotten a, a hand to the ball until the, I saw it again in, in the replay. And now we have to go to Finland and get a result. And just going on those two games, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I wanted to feel better about Irish football after Stephen Kenny's first two games, and, and right now I don't. The positives that I took from the game was the first half against Bulgaria, and there was about a 10 or 15 minute spell at the start of the second half against Finland, where we did play some good football, but it felt like the expression we heard from Mourinho about Wenger, sterile possession. It looks good, and it might bump the passing or possession stats up a bit, but at the end of the day, it didn't really make much of a difference. We had the lion's share of possession against Bulgaria, but they went ahead against us. And you know, if we remember back against Germany, we had somewhere around 30% possession and we still won. So maybe it's not to be all and end all. Like they say, the only real stat that matters is the score. Yeah, again, Joe, I think he has blooded in an awful lot of new players in here like Adam Eda. I think Aaron Connolly's got invaluable time as well in the last few games. I didn't thought he provided some good cameos in Odell. And I suppose that's where the steroid possession comes in. Maybe the end product here from those front three particularly may have been a little bit disappointing. But again, this international football is a big step up for these guys, you know, particularly under 21 level, making your way up then into the full senior ranks. And let's not dismiss Bulgaria here. On Sunday, they were within two minutes from getting a credible draw in Cardiff. 
against Wales. Um, so, I mean, we can kind of express a disappointment on the one-all draw, but again, Bulgaria were competitive to a certain extent against Wales as well. So, I mean, the opposition may have been, we should have been looking at for four points really, but it really just show international football. You can't take these teams for granted. Lex Malumfi as well, got invaluable experience. The key question for Stephen Kenny going into Slovakia game, does he now go for tried and trusted? And where does Seamus Coleman fit into the whole equation here, guys? Because as you said yourself in the onset of this podcast, Joe, where is Seamus Coleman in the thoughts of the manager now? We've gone 180 minutes, first two games in charge. Seamus Coleman has nowhere been seen or featured. And for the player itself, I'd say he must be a little bit concerned, given all the press conferences he'd done prior to <laughs> kick off the League of Nations now to literally now be uh, in the subs bench and not looking to see any game time. And I think from Coleman's perspective, I think the two goals particularly may have been a case of Coleman's defensive reading might have been pretty handy in those two goals because just literally, I think Phil, you alluded to as well, just under two goals, it's just it's disappointing that we've lost possession. But I think the way Kenny's looking to implement his passing ethos we're going to get that but it's how we're reacting after it defensively particularly the cry of goal the massive space in between our two central defenders was just alarming and again massive space is all around for um uh, the Finnish goal as well so Coleman I think has to feature guys in some shape or form here in the Slovakian game he has to if he doesn't then I think Stephen Kenny has left himself massively for critique particularly on the playoff I don't know what you guys think just going back to the Bulgaria game for a second, we, you mentioned there as well the, the manner in which the Krayev got the goal. You know, it was just a straight ball through your centre backs and, and he finished well. But up until that point, the first half was good. Connolly had that chance. They didn't have too many chances. They go and concede and they have another few half chances. And then Duffy obviously gets the equaliser. But I'm like, if we had drawn that nil all, if some buts but if we had drawn that without conceding the goal I don't think it wouldn't have looked as bad that's an obvious statement but I think what he was thinking was that's kind of just a shit goal to give away and they don't give away many of those goals but he obviously thought that the midfield wasn't linking up well at all with the attack and that's probably why he's gone for the three changes the next game because you have Brady and Malumbi who have more energy to get up and down and who can probably pick a pass better. But that just didn't happen. Just a bit of perspective on the Bulgaria game. It's not a goal that you give away. And I know you can pass for passing sake. But if Ireland had come away from that Bulgaria game with 600-odd passes, Connolly, you know, probably should have put that chance in. you kind of be saying, going into the Finland game, going, gee, if we kind of got a bit more midfield just connected up with the attack a bit more, we could be onto something. And I think that's, that's the kind of thought process that Kenny was going with. But I think changing your whole centre midfield and not changing anything else is an awful risk. And it really didn't pay off. Yeah, Darren Lenehan as well. Given the lack of centre-halves assembled, you thought he might get a little bit of game time, but he never did. So and it would be interesting to see how Darren Lenehan would adapt himself to international football as well. Just give us a bit of a depth chart read as well. So, yeah, a few questions there. In the squad, there was three outfield players who didn't see any game time between the two games. That's Seamus Coleman, Darlenehan and Alan Brown. Considering that he played three centre midfielders in both games and didn't select Brown again, it's very confusing. We saw James McLean kind of play the same role that he has played in before as, as an impact substitute. And I actually thought he did well when he came on and maybe his, his fitness levels mightn't be at his peak, but he was definitely in better shape than the rest of the team. I know that the players are still essentially in preseason in England and that can account for the, the lot of the tiredness that we saw on the pitch towards the end of the game. But 
then the obvious question is why were League of Ireland players uh, omitted? Especially, you know, with Stephen Kenny's history in the League of Ireland, why did nobody, there was no one from Shamrock Rovers or Bohemians or his former club Dundalk included, uh, where the fitness levels would be much, much higher and they would be able to last the 90 minutes at a high level. Are we going to see any of these players brought into the squad in October? I feel like we've been left with more questions than answers after these two games. We still don't really know what the style of play is. We don't know what the first team is. We don't know who the reserves players are. We have an idea of the style of play, and we definitely know what his favorite formation is. But is he shoehorning players into the roles that he wants when what he really should be doing is finding a formation or roles for the players that he has? We're a month away from the playoff against Slovakia and I expect the Ireland squad to be announced probably around the 25th you know which is only two and a half weeks away you know as we record here Mark who do you see coming into the squad or, or maybe a better question who do you see being dropped from the squad that he had oh god it's a million dollar question isn't it the few guys I would think of coming in I think it was mentioned on Twitter first post this podcast but might have a bit of credence maybe like a Josh Cullen or someone to that effect if we're really struggling in the middle of the park, looking for someone who's a good engine on him, he may be someone that maybe Stephen Kenny is looking at. Jack Byrne, obviously. And I suppose Rovers fans will be delighted that Jack Byrne wasn't featured in any of these games because the key win against Bowes, Jack Byrne was uh, you know central to that. So that might have been, been a reason. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think he's made his bed in terms of the squad that he has here. I mean, I think people who look vulnerable right now, as you said, Joe, is probably an Alan Brown, which is unfair, really, given game time that he's got on the previous manager. Not to even feature is probably disappointing for the player. You know, even the attacking options, does he retain fate with the guys that were here in the last two games? I mean, it'd be pretty harsh if he dropped any of them. But again, the key question is game minutes, Joe, in the coming weeks. Guys have to be playing regular first-team football in my eyes. It's all well and good now to kind of give Adam Mead and guys like that a game time, but really they need to be pushing on club career-wise, getting the game minutes, because international football is a pretty ruthless spot, and I think you kind of saw some shortcomings there in a few of the youngsters, but they'll only improve. So it will be interesting. I think for the most part, it will be the majority here. This is the conundrum for Stephen Kenny. Does he kind of retain fate on the likes of the Jason Malumbies, which I would expect a feature against Slovakia? Or does he go tried and trusted the likes of the McCarthy's, the McLean's, the Shane Long's, even the Seamus Coleman's for that matter? I think Seamus Coleman has to be some way kind of looking into the starting lineup reckoning as well. So again, it's only two games in, you know, hopefully there'll be a little bit of more optimism coming into the Slovakia game. If you're watching their results, their results have been absolutely horrendous. I mean, they lost 3-1 to Czech Republic. Now, granted, they had an awful lot of experimentation in their home loss, but even against Israel, they drew one all. 90-minute goal to Israel. I don't know if we've seen that before. So they're not coming into that game in any particular good confidence. Same with Bosnia. Struggled in their group. And also Northern Ireland as well. So there's four playoff teams here that are literally not coming into these qualification playoffs with any sort of form whatsoever. So it's all going to be down on a three to four day period. Who kind of gets the form right? Look, we have to give him time here, guys. He's had the kind of acclimatisation to international football. And he's kind of realised some of maybe his concepts or assumptions or maybe completely incorrect. So hopefully himself and his coaching team can go away, announce the squad, and literally uh, deliver some results here. Yeah, and in those two games, like Slovakia were battered by Israel until they scored in, in injury time. 
and the Czech Republic the same even though Slovakia were at home Czech Republic had the majority possession the majority shots on target and in all likelihood should have won by more than the two goals Slovakia's last minute consolation made it look a bit more respectable how much of an impact do you think the loss of Troy Parrott had he was a focal point for the under 21 team and has since made his his senior debut players get injured all the time and every international manager has to deal with what happens at club level for his players. We're all really looking forward to seeing what he can do on loan in Millwall this season. And hopefully he will have made his return for the Lions before the squad is announced for the playoff against Slovakia and the two Nations League games. Do you think that Ida would have started both games if Part was available? I do, yeah. I don't think Part was a loss at all, to be honest with you. I can't. I just, no, I don't think he was. I think if if Parrot was going to do anything, it was probably come on instead of McLean out wide left. I couldn't see him going up top by himself because this, especially because the the first game was away. I I couldn't see him. I think he was going to go with either regardless, just in the manner of the two teams. So I don't know. I don't think Parrot was a big loss. Maybe he could have done something a bit more than McLean, who did okay, as you said. Um, he might have saw minutes there, but I, I don't think he was a huge loss. It's kind of the the Irish way now. We always <laughs> focus on the players that aren't there. It's just always been the way. It's always, it's where's, you know, Wes Hoolan or where's Andy Reid or where's Seamus Coleman. Or, it's always the way where he's just going to have to get on and, and work with what he's working. I think the biggest omission was, was Josh Cullen. Like he made his debut against Bulgaria in the, the 3-1 and McCarthy had him in the squad for the, the final game against Denmark. He's nearly exactly what we need. And he's not young. He's 24. 34 games with Charlton last season. He was on loan with them two seasons ago. He played in the playoff final. They came up. So there's experience there. It's not like he's totally green like, say, Malumbi was. Malumbi did okay. Like He was probably the biggest one. And I think he'll seriously consider bringing Byrne back in to the squad for the Slovakia game because as I was mentioning before like the re- I think the reason he changed the, the whole midfield for the second game was that just there was no link up play with the attack either was getting the ball there was no one running or making runs there was no connection whereas we've seen Byrne can play in the hole like that and he can be that link up man or he can he can play a pass so I think we'll see him but Cullen was the the, the stranger mission just going back on a point you made Joe about why didn't he bring in League of Ireland players? I think we saw with Ida and we saw with Malumbi, like they're two players that have had a good bit of game time in the second tier in English football, which is fucking, it's a tough league. Like it's a slog, it's, it's physical. It's You have to be good to play in the championship week in, week out. And I thought you really saw the step up for Ida. He did okay, but you could see the step up. He wasn't ready for it. You could see he was off the pace. So I think the same would be with some of the, the League of Ireland players coming up. I, not that I don't think they'd be good enough over time, but I don't think they'd be good enough straight away. So yeah, like Cullen and Byrne. I think Cullen has to come into the squad, and I think Byrne have to come into the squad. And as you were saying, Mark, where's the room for them? I could see him drop Ida, which sounds a bit daft, but now that McGoldrick is back, I think you need someone like Byrne. And if you're going to have Long on the bench and you're going to have Connolly, well, then that's enough. And Robinson. So maybe he, he's had his experimentation with Ida and now he's saying, right, OK, we've tried you and maybe you're not just ready. We're going to use your position for someone like Bernard Cullen, which I think would be better use of it now, to be honest with you. 
especially because it's a one-off game away from home against Slovakia. Like, I can't see him going near Ida after what happened in both games. He's just, just not there yet. Whereas McGoldrick is much better at that. That's his game, holding the ball up, linking up midfield. So more questions than answers, though. Guys, what do we think about the formation here? 4-3-3 against Finland, against Slovakia. Do we see 4-3-3 being deployed? Or are we looking at 4-5-1 here? Or no? What are your thoughts there? I think you should definitely go 4-5-1. 4-3-3 hasn't worked the last two games at all, really. There was no connection at all. So 4-5-1, even if you played two sitting midfielders, played Byrne high up, had Connolly out the left, and even Robertson out the right, or God forbid, even played Doherty wide right. I know the one time we played, it didn't really work, but you never know. But I can't see 4-3-3 working against Slovakia, especially away from home. And with the manner in which we conceded the two goals, like the space allowed for the Slovakian midfielder to pick that pass out. Granted, the space shouldn't have been there between the two centre-backs, but the ball was played in behind, in between the centre midfielders and, and the, the centre-back. And he had all the time in the world just to play a straight pass. And that's a huge worry because Slovakia, they're a technical team, so they could rip you apart two or three times. I know what you think, Joe. I know that part of Stephen Kenny's mission statement was that he's going to try and create an Irish identity. And I've heard other managers say it as well. But the fact of the matter is that every player he picked in the squad plays in English football and the majority of them play in a 4-4-2 formation. So getting them for a couple of days and then trying to change their mentality on the position that they play and the tactics that they play for eight months of the year I think that's a losing battle and you can build on the talents that the players have and the formation that they're familiar with but trying to get them to do something that's anathema to what they do in their day-to-day lives it's pushing a boulder up a hill you're making more work for yourself than you need and I, I think just play a simple 4-4-2 formation you can make slight changes to that you can play your, your left winger a little bit further forward and that means that the two center midfields and the, and the right wing push in to create a 4-3-1-2 type formation but I think trying to get them to play in a 4-3-3 given the current state of their fitness levels given the training that they do in their day-to-day club roles might have been too ambitious so I think Playing 4-3-3 in both games and then changing the three centre midfielders in the second game. And it didn't work in either game for me. Horahan in the first game and Brady in the second game were tasked with the creative role. And because it was only three in midfield, it added defensive responsibilities, clashed with their naturally creative style. I think McCarthy mightn't have been fully fit, so he wasn't able to play the defensive role that he normally does. Arthur, I think, was probably the biggest success out of the two games out of, and out of the six centre midfielders, and I think he will start the next game. Hendrik and Malumbi, there was very little between them. Hendrik probably didn't do enough to keep his starting position against Finland, and I'm not sure if Malumbi has done enough to justify starting against Slovakia in a month's time. We still have Brady, I think, can still play a left-wing role, and we have James McLean to back him up. I think that uh, Robinson looked much more comfortable on the right wing than Odawda did. And that's only in the 20 minutes or so that he got at the end of the game compared to what Odawda had done across the three halves that he had between Bulgaria and Finland. Look, call an experiment, say that it didn't work. Say you're just going to take a step back and focus on the results more than the performance against Slovakia. 
and no one's going to condemn him for that. If anything else, it'll probably improve his standing by just being one of the few managers that we've ever stand up and say, do you know what? I got that one wrong and we're going to do something about it. It's a question of how stubborn he is, uh, how tied to his methods he is or his beliefs. Like, is he the type of manager who is just 4-3-3, that's it. This is his big job. This is his, his one chance at the Ireland job. So I would like to think that he can see he's tried two different midfields and neither have been able to connect with the forwards or, as you said, manage the workload of attack and defence because we do have to defend a good bit. Like, So I would be hoping that he's not that stubborn and that he will play a variation of 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1 or whatever. So like, I'd really be hoping that. The other question is, two of the most successful teams in the league last year in the Premier League were... Wolves and Sheffield, and I know we talked about it before, they were successful for playing wing-backs, 3-4-3-5-2 or whatever, a variation of that as well. And we have three of those players, Doherty, Stevens, and Egan. Should that be looked at for the Slovakia game? Would it be totally mad to play 3-5-2 with that extra, extra body in the midfield to share the workload and actually have Doherty out the wing, have Stevens out the wing in their most comfortable positions where you know you can maximize the damage they can do going forward which then kind of takes a small bit of pressure off maybe having a link man in midfield like does he go for that but i definitely think he has to do something and if he's stubborn enough to go at 4-3-3 again i already think it's going to end in tears just from the reaction of the first two games from a lot of fans but if you know if he goes 4-3-3 again and we're asking all these questions at the end of the Slovakia game, after losing 1-0 and not creating any chances, I think he's in big bother. I wouldn't agree with it personally. I still think we should give him a full campaign. But you know the way Ireland fans are. A lot of them. The pressure is on. That's not just Ireland fans. I think that's football fans in general. We want to see team play that we, we want them to play. We want to see the players picked that, that we would pick. And I'm not sure if Stephen Kenny has done himself any favours in that regard so far. Look, we could all be sitting here in six weeks' time, having beaten Slovakia, having won the two Nations League games and, and looking forward to the final playoff game in November and two games... Against Bosnia. <laughs> yeah, against against Bosnia or, or Northern Ireland. And maybe even looking at promotion from the Nations League with our two games in November. I just feel that what we wanted to see from the side was... Whatever about scoring more goals, maybe a bit more creativity. We don't have a natural goal scorer right now. And look, that's been the case since Robbie Keane retired. We wanted to see the team play a better brand of football and create chances for the players that we do have up front. And we didn't see that. We want to see the midfielders and defenders restrict the chances to the opposition. And we didn't see that. And I think that's where the negativity is coming from. I want things to improve, but right now I feel worse than I did a month ago before the squad was announced. Joel, yeah, we, I think it's the real asset test for Sim Kenny with the Slovakian game particularly and these playoffs. These are the kind of the pinnacle ones. I know you said in the previous podcast it's imperative that Ireland feature in those finals and really I think the pressure really does start for him now. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still in the fence with give him time, but again, I think we need to kind of see how he's kind of reflected and kind of improved things. But I think particularly his coaching staff, and I can't stress that enough. I think his coaching staff 
have to help him enormously in the next few weeks because I just didn't really get a sense. I thought it was Stephen Kenny against the media on Sunday. And I think that was grossly unfair on the manager. I think yeah. as, a, as a coaching staff, as a whole, I think they need to do much more to support Stephen Kenny than they're actually doing at the moment. And I'd hope to see improvements there. But again, that's, it could be Ian Barraclough, 5-1 loss at home to Norway. Going into Bosnia-Herzegovina, we talk about our team displays right now. Jesus, poor Northern Ireland, their confidence must be hit to the floor. So I think that's perspective there as well. I mean, it could have gone massively disastrously wrong in that direction as well. So I think there's embers of hope there for us. And I think the players have also acknowledged here, Joe, as well, that it's a learning process for them. And I would hope as well, season kicks off this weekend in England particularly, and Scotland will be in the throes of it when we get to Slovakia, that these guys will have sufficient game minutes, match fitness under their belts. And I think we should see a more up-tempo game from Ireland as well. So look, uh, we won't lose won't lose the plot just right now anyway. Yeah, Mark, and that, that's right. The English season has already kicked off. We've seen games in the FA Trophy and the, the League Cup, but the league season is kicking off this weekend. And looking at the opening fixtures, Burnley, Manchester United, Manchester City and Villa all have their opening games postponed. Southampton are playing Crystal Palace, Liverpool are playing Leeds and West Ham are playing Newcastle. So we're going to see... Jeff Hendrick make his debut for Newcastle. We're hoping that Kieran Clark has recovered from the knock he picked up and will be fit enough to take his place in the centre of the Newcastle defence. Southampton finished the season with five Irish players on their bench and brought on three of them in one game. How do you see the new season going for the Irish players in the top division in England? Hopefully a bit of game minutes, I suppose, Joe. We've been talking about it for the last 30 minutes in terms of getting game minutes and Newcastle. That'll be an interesting one, particularly against West Ham United. Given the signings that Newcastle have made in recent days as well, I think it's all boding well for Jeff Hendrick and particularly good season for Newcastle. Southampton as well, it'll be very interesting just to see how um, the Irish contingent do there against Palace because I think Palace, the end of last season, they had a wretched run. And I've wrote in the blog here that, you know, Palace are under pressure early doors to get results because their first six games are pretty atrocious. I think they play United, they played Liverpool, they play Man City in the first six. And I think Southampton could be well primed there. Will Smallbone as well hasn't been really mentioned in our discussion either. But this is a guy I think who might get significant game and it's already on in the season. I heard he's doing pretty well pre-season. Yeah, enough lot to look forward to there, guys. On Monday night, Brighton are hosting Chelsea. So we could see Jason Malomi make his... Premier League debut. He was on the bench when they played Manchester City when City lifted the title more than a year ago now. Obviously, the loan at Millwall has meant he's picked up a season's worth of league experience. And now we want to see him push on from that and play Premier League football. One of the stats that I was proud of last season was the the amount of Irish players that had appeared in the in the Premier League, which was the most since I think the 2015-16 season, and the amount of young players that had appeared in the the league, which again was the most uh, since I think the 2012 season. Phil, with the the league kicking off this weekend, uh, what are you looking forward to seeing? Well, Hendrick definitely is one. Not that I'm looking forward to seeing him. I'm looking forward to seeing if he'll. I know he played a friendly there. He played in the right wing, but I'm looking forward to seeing can they actually get the best out of him in his right position because we haven't seen it since the Euros. The most I'm probably most excited for Connolly in his second season because 
I thought he was he was one of the big pluses in the last two Irish games. He's just tenacious. Like he he's he's nearly built for the Premier League. Like he he's he's quick. He's he's not that big, but he's strong. And I think you could see him get a lot more goals than the the two or three he got. Um, Southampton obviously is another big one with Obafemi. You know, will he get more game time? And Josh Cullen has is back at West Ham. Kind of remains to be seen what's going to happen with him. I don't know is he going to go out on loan again or are they going to keep him? Yeah, sorry, just got to cut you. You think with the amount of time that he has spent out on loan, it's it's either stick or twist for him now with West Ham. Either they're going to play him or they're not. And if they're not, if he's you know if they tell him again, we think you need another loan at at championship level, then maybe he should say, you know what, thanks, but I might look for a, a move. Yeah, I don't like he's 24, as we said, and he's played two seasons with Charlton, had a promotion, started nearly every game last season. So I could see him getting some minutes. He needs to get minutes because he's at that stage in his career now where he just can't be. It should it shouldn't be another loan. It should be yeah, it should be a permanent move. And the other the other big one, I suppose, not the Premier League, but like Troy Parrott. You know, we've gone on about we've a few games in October and that, but next year if Parrott does something like maybe Ryan Brewster did last season and start banging in goals, then we could see him in the starting eleven for the Irish team fairly quick. And to see if Sheffield can keep up what they kept up last season. You know, will they be as successful with that system? Will Stevens and Egan still be as impressive? Or will if people have cottoned on to what they do? And the other one, I suppose, is Robinson, who's signed his five-year deal with West Brom. I didn't think they'd actually sign him permanently. I thought he kind of was destined to go back down to the championship. But they're obviously happy with him, and he did really well after Christmas. So it's good to see him back in the Premier League. And the fact that he signed a five-year deal means that so close to the season starting means they obviously have plans to play him. So that's another positive because if he's a good player. If he can get a, a good run of games, two or three games even before October, I definitely have him on, on the right side starting against Slovakia, 100%. You know, he was full energy when he came on the last day and he was, he was maybe unlucky not to get a goal. So maybe the main one's probably at the top of my head. Yeah, and now he'll be joining Daryl Shea at West Brom, who was called into the, the senior squad for the two games. If he does hit the ground running with West Brom, as we all suspect he will, should he be kept in the senior squad or would he be better off with the under-21s for their qualifiers in October? Look, if he's going to be just put in the squad just to be integrated into a training session, just put him back into the under-21s. The under-21 team are in a great position after Sweden's result last night to Italy 3-0 win for Sweden. Qualifications in our own hands. I would love to see Darroge being the kind of figurehead there for the under-21s to finish out the campaign at least and then literally focus in on the qualification campaign beyond in 2021. I think we have a great chance, guys, on the under-21s and it's a kind of opportunity. An opportunity will be spurned, I think, if Darroge is put into a senior squad. We see with Darrell Lenehan, he's been making multiple squads, not getting any significant game time, so I would hope that Darra could fulfil his potential internationally with a stint in the under-21s still. But then, you know, when the need arises, come into the, the international side towards the new year. A lot to think about for the senior and under-21 managers in the, the Ireland setup at the moment. You'd imagine either Lenehan or O'Shea would drop out for Clark, but he might keep one of them. I think he wants to have four central defenders in the squad, especially yeah. considering we're playing three games in a very short space of time and injuries happen. So yeah. he'll have his two starting players which 
looks like it's going to be Duffy and Egan and then two backup players, which at the moment looks like it's Lenehan, Clark, and then O'Shea is probably the third choice there. So if both Lennon and Clark are available, I think they'll be in the squad. If either of them get injured, O'Shea will be promoted from the other 21s. We hope you've enjoyed our review of Stephen Kennedy's first two games. We're looking forward to the squad being announced in two weeks. Uh, we'll have uh, another episode out then, and we'll, we'll record an episode next week reviewing the performance of Irish players in the opening weekend of the new league season in England. I'd like to thank Mark and Phil for joining me, and we'll talk to you soon.